I hope you picked up a copy of the outline. Good to see all of you tonight. And uh, tonight I want you to find your place, uh, first of all, in the New Testament. We're going to go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and we continue to, to uh, look at Isaiah 42, though tonight we'll spend our time in James. I said last week we were, we were looking in Isaiah, and uh, I wanted us to uh, pause. Scott, can you bring that up just a little bit for me? I'd appreciate it. I wanted us to uh, have the opportunity to talk a little bit more about spiritual hearing and spiritual sight. And um, as you find your place in James, at the top of your outline, you read those words from Isaiah uh, 42.20. This is God speaking about the blindness and the deafness spiritually of Israel. You have seen many things, but you do not observe them. Your ears are open, but none hears. You have seen many things, but you do not observe them. Your ears are open, but none hears. Then we come to James chapter 1, and we'll pick up reading in beginning in verse number 21. <clears throat> James chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, <clears throat> in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourself doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. What I want to talk to you about tonight, the focal truth, is this, that believers must hear God's word as they read God's word. Now, look, um, all of my life, when I was a student, pastor, that was like when the dinosaurs were on the earth, but that was truly an experience I had. One day, uh, uh, one day, somebody Pat and I knew found out where we were and sent us a picture. Now, Pat looked great back in those days, but man, I looked a little rough back in those days. And there I was, 20 years old with those students. But we did a thing, we did a thing that we're going to do tonight. I don't care how long you've studied the Bible. I don't care how much you know about the Bible. You're going to hear it tonight because I want to get very practical. So we had a thing we taught the students. Uh, We did it in the Navigators. You must get a grip on God's Word. Grip. Okay. It's hard to hold this without my thumb. And the first thing you must do is hear God's Word. You hear it. And then... It's, this is doable. 
you read it. You hear it. You read it. You study it. You study it. You study it. You memorize it. And you meditate on it. The lesson of that with students, and it's the lesson, again, you all know, those of you who know me and I've been walking with you a long time, it is my only single goal and purpose that when I am uh, finished with whatever my task and assignment is from the Lord here, that you will be better with your Bible and able to read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it. There's no excuses for anybody here. Um, you can't make an excuse that you don't have enough memory. There's all kinds of aids to help us. So I want to talk about getting a grip on God's Word. I, I do this because this is important uh, repetition. You know, uh, we have some in here who their jobs require uh, training. Uh, so Wes is in here. Wes, in his fire fighting experience. They train, the, they train over and over. They train over and over. Um, sometimes in the church we forget about the importance of how we handle the Word of God and how we get a grip on it and why it's so important in our lives. So I'm going to use James chapter 1. And So if some of you are here and you're disappointed, don't be disappointed. Uh, I believe this is what God wants us to hear tonight. So before we do that, I also want to have you read and, and make a mark in your Bible so that we can we perhaps may go back to it is, is in uh, you'll find also in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you'll keep your place in James now, let me just get, get these things connected here. 1 Corinthians 2, another very familiar passage to many of you in this room. 1 Corinthians 2, Paul is starting to talk about the importance of how we live by the Holy Spirit. See, the Christian life is impossible without the Holy Spirit. And when we believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to be a part of us and to possess us. And now the Holy Spirit influences our mind and our will and our emotions and our desires and our values. And the longer we walk with Jesus, the more we, we, we live in the Spirit and we walk by the Spirit and less by the flesh. So he's, as he's speaking about these wonderful things, he says now, uh, pick up in verse 12, Now we, he, remember he's writing to the Christians, and I'm speaking to believers tonight. Now we believers have received not the Spirit of the world, but the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is from God, so that we as believers may know the things freely given to us by God. We'll have knowledge. We'll have knowledge of spiritual things. Which spiritual things, these, this knowledge, these things, these spiritual things, we also speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. Combining thought, spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So that's what I do tonight. I'm the designated teacher-preacher tonight. So whether you're in your Bible study class and you have your teacher or whether you're hearing preaching and you come here and you hear me preach, so I'm taking spiritual words and spiritual thoughts and they're combined together. We all hear them and the Holy Spirit then takes those words and applies them to your life as you need them. It's a miraculous thing. It's a miraculous thing. It's unexplainable. 
because I've done this all most of my life, you know, now almost 50 years. And so it's like you'll preach, or you'll teach, and somebody will come by and say, well, you know, you said, and I thought I had never said any of that. But God said it to them. You all with me? God said it. Yes, sir. So my point is to say, anytime you're interacting with the Word of God and you're either hearing it audibly while you're also reading it with your eyes visually, there's a lot of things going on that are supernatural and of the Holy Spirit. We cannot gain. So I, I have met, I have walked with men and women who uh, did not have the opportunity for formal education, who are some of the most amazing, I'm talking about all through my ministry life, who, have, who are some of the most amazing people who understand, uh, hear, and uh, live by the Word of God. That's my wish and desire for all of you. That we'll have a church full. It's what I talked to Tim about with the students. It's what I talked to Ken about with the children. That's the dream. But then we read in verse 14, but, 1 Corinthians 2.14, but, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. You know, an appraiser appraises or values a piece of property. They are spiritually valued. That's the Word of God. The Word of God has no... Uh, the, the Word of God, the Bible, has no value to a natural man. A person who is still a natural person without the Holy Spirit. I ask you tonight, are you born again? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Or are you a natural man? Well. One way we determine quickly where someone is in relationship to God is how they respond to God's Word. So what do we talk about first of all? Well, we prepare to hear God's Word. So we, we're back in James now. We're back in James. By the way, Esau was a natural man. Sunday again, we... You know, and I, I, I'm, the family secrets we're talking about on Sunday are very hard lessons for us. But I wanted us to look at them to remind ourselves that even God's people in their families have hard family secrets. And God overcomes them and God uses even families with family secrets for the glory of God. Some of our people walk with hard situations. Esau was a natural man. Everything about him. So this week we have to finish talking about the sinful rebellion uh, of Esau, the natural man. So before you come to church, even tonight, this is not a test, it's just a question. So how do you prepare yourself anytime, if you go to your Bible study class or Sunday school class, if you go to a group and they're teaching the Bible or reading or if you go to your private time to study the Word of God, how do you prepare for it? There is preparation. And I'm, and I'm of the opinion, because I also do these things myself, that the better I prepare, the better I hear. The better I prepare, the better I receive. I see it 
I hear it, the better I prepare. If I race in, you know, and do one of those, hey, give me a devotion in three minutes deals, I might as well have taken the three minutes to brush my teeth or do something else. Because it really doesn't work that way. We're handling the words of God. We're handling a book which is like no other book. We're handling the very uh, essence of what it is that points in all the pages to the Lord Jesus. We are, as the early Muslims called the Christians, people of the book. And we are for a real reason. Because this is all we have. And the Holy Spirit. This is all we have. So what does James say to us about preparation? Well, when I get ready to come here, this is, so what do you do when you get ready to hear preaching on Sunday? After you've gotten the kids settled, or if you can, if that's possible. Or if, you've, you know, if it's not too hot or cold. I mean, we're trying our best. What, what, with, all that, with all the spinning and distractions, plus everything we've brought in in our minds, notice what we do. We put aside filthy, foul sins of mind and acts. That's the first thing. Put aside. Literally, this is the idea of just like you would throw a, a, a garment into a pile. Throw it aside. Put it aside. Put aside all filthiness. That, that's the word. It's a, it's a word that means foul. Those things that are foul. Uh, put aside. So how do I prepare to hear the Word of God? How do I prepare to read the Word of God on my own when I am all alone and I've picked up my Bible and I've gone to the closet, I put, I put aside my filthiness. I deal with sin. Second, I put aside malice. Am I, do I have ill will toward God or someone else? How can I read the Bible if I'm all wound around the axle with somebody? Well, I'm not going to do it. It's not going to happen. Because the whole time I'm doing it, the Lord's going to be bringing that person up. So why not just go take care of it so you don't have to have that distraction? So put aside all filthiness, put aside all that remains of wickedness. Uh, this is the idea, filthiness and wickedness. And receive, notice the word there, I'm going slowly, but I want you to see it. In humility, receive the word. Now, when some of you in here, let me see. Oh, here's one in here. Danny. So, Danny. What did Danny tell you the other day at the, uh, at the, uh, when we were doing the giveaway of the food about those kids? What did she say she has to do with those children? She never thought she'd have to say, don't do that to them. Yeah, she never thought she'd have to say, don't hit your brother. <laughs> and how old are they, Danny? Okay. Have you ever talked to your children and they haven't been humble to receive your words? You all know then what it is, right? So if I come to the Word of God like that, I'm not going to get anything out of it. You know, if I come and I'm not humble to whoever it is who's preaching, to whoever it is who's teaching, if it's public, you know, the point is we learn from all those that God sends our way. So there's humility in receiving the Word of God. And notice the word in verse 21. Implanted. That's what's happening. The seed is being sown, right? The Word of God as the Lord teaches us is like seed. It's being sown in our hearts. What kind of a condition is our mind in? Your mind's in different conditions depending on what day it is. It's not the same. 
know, some have this assumption, well, once I'm good ground, I'm good ground. No, that's not exactly what the Lord was trying to say. There are a lot of conditions in those soil, in that soil story that remind us that cares and worries can affect your heart. The world can harden you. And when the Word of God and the seeds fall, they're not productive. So we receive, we hear, we listen to God's Word with humility. And we accept God's Word implanted. And that's why I was reading to you 1 Corinthians 2. Notice, we don't have the spirit of the world. We, we, we now have the ability by supernatural help from the Holy Spirit to take spiritual ideas and thoughts and spiritual words and they're put together and the Lord says, now Mike, that's what you need today. That's what you need. So then we read God's Word. We read God's Word. This is also hearing God's Word. I've mentioned to you many times and I say it over and over, you hear with your eyes. When you read the Word of God, you hear with your eyes. You hear me now. I'm speaking and teaching from the Word of God. You're reading it also as we look at it, which is the most important, valuable way. But we also read, we hear while we read. So we prove that we hear God's Word by what we do. Notice in verse 22. Prove yourself, doers of the Word. Alright, so this is, the, this is the objective of James here. Here's the point. How do I prove that I am obeying God's Word? How do I prove it? By doing it. But I prove it because I've heard it, Terry. If I don't hear it, I won't do it. Alright, now I'm doing the preacher. Then if I do it, I've heard it. If I hear it, I do it. If I do it, I've heard it. Alright? So prove yourself. I'm proving that I am a hearer because I'm a doer. This is what James is trying to say. He says, and not merely a hearer who deludes himself. You see, you're delusional. It's delusional to hear God's Word and not do anything about what you hear. So when I leave preaching, you know, when uh, you know, I get tickled, you know, you know, when you preach somewhere a long time, even the little kids pick it up. I get tickled. You know, I do the same outline every time. You know, you have observations. And then I do things to remember and do. So there's Ryan Wicker, you know, and he's John sitting there. How old is John? Okay, so John. About three or four weeks ago, I'm still preaching, and all of a sudden Ryan said he starts folding up his stuff. And, Ryan said, what are you doing? And John said, well, he's about to get to things to remember and do. So in other words, he already knows the deal. It's about over. He's a 10-year-old. And I'm not going to change my outline. It works. The point is, what do we remember and what do we do, right? What do we take away? The point is, if I hear something, if I read it, and I don't take anything away, if it's just a history lesson, I did that in school. What do I get from it? What is it God's saying to me from the hardest place in the Word of God? And some of them are very hard. We're in some of that. Looking at the patriarchs. So I'm, but I am glad that John knows that when I get to things you remember and do, that we are to the part that's important. So we hear it, but what do we take away from it? This is where I'm trying to go tonight. So this is his point about forgetting. If you hear it, you're delusional if you only hear it. 
If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 23, this is that contrast, he's like a man who looks at the natural face in a mirror and once he's looked at himself, he's gone away and he forgets what kind of a person he was. So I went there, I heard that, and as soon as I got out the door, I don't remember anything I heard. What's the value of hearing preaching and teaching if you don't get anything out of it? Now, I know the preachers and teachers have got to do their part. But this is my point. We have to put something in. We have to make an effort to try to understand what's being taught and what's being said in the Word of God. And some things are easier to understand than others. And some are a riddle to us that only in heaven the Lord will help us understand. So we're blessed by God and in life when we regularly read the Word of God. That's verse 21. But now we go to, so we read it to obey, and now we read God's Word. Oh, I didn't need to mention this. To save our souls. Back in 21. This is often overlooked. I am saved today because of God's Word. Did you know that? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God that speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ and how to be saved, saved my soul. And it saved your soul too. And the same Word saves your soul and mine every day. We're alive as believers. That's why I gave you this in Psalm 119. Your, your Word has revived me. He says it twice. Your word, word brings me back to life. That's what it means to be saved by the Word of God. Sometimes you can't go anymore. Sometimes you are in the deepest despair. Sometimes the tunnel is so deep you, don't, you can't find the end. Or if it has an end, you have no idea what's going to happen. You are laboring and you come to the Word of God as best you can with humility and God revives you from the Word of God. That's what this book does for us. Amen. It sustains us. Psalm 119.16 so God's Word saves us from living a life of sinfulness. It points out to us, this is not the way you live. God's Word saves us from ignorance and gives us knowledge and wisdom. God's Word saves us. It guides us in the path of righteousness. This is the way you go. This is how you follow Jesus. God's Word saves us from fear and despair by giving us the truth. The saddest thing for me as a pastor in my life is when people have become so dis despairing that they have not even the strength to pick up the Word of God. The first thing that they leave, people will say to me, I'm all alone. But you're, I, my mother used to say that. And I said, Mother, but you're not really all alone. You're not really all alone. If the Bible is true, the Lord is with you. Amen. You're not alone. And so therefore, Mom, you have an opportunity being by yourself to do things that a lot of people would they pay a lot of money to try to go be by themselves and you get the chance to be by yourself so the point is how do you spend your time with God this is what I want to say and labor to say to all of our people who are alone celebrate and spend your time with God learn to live in the presence of God learn how to pick up the word of God and let it be your companion in the Holy Spirit bringing things to your mind. Prove yourself to be a doer of the Word so you practice obedience and then we move on. Down at the bottom of that outline page, avoid reading God's Word without a commitment to obey, only to gain knowledge. See, this is the danger of our Bible studies on Sundays. Now, it is important. I do agree. 
we're here to teach people in Bible study in Sunday school how the Bible's put together, how do you read the different parts, what do we do. Yes, you have to understand how this glorious, wonderful book is put together. But however, simply to teach people, you know, in school, some schools, not all, some places, you know, they still look at the Bible as literature. Well, we're not here to study this as literature. It is literature, but it's holy literature. And so we must understand its parts, but at the same time, we must then learn, so how do I interact with this book? That's what I'm talking about. So we carefully read the words. Now I get down to 25. One who looks intently at the perfect law. At the perfect law. This is, this is the matter of studying God's Word. We read it by stooping. The word literally means to stoop, to, to stop and stoop. So if you, are, if you are looking intently at flowers, you pause and you look at them. You stoop. If you're, if you're studying how to work on an engine, you, you're, you're, you stop and you work on it and you evaluate or a piece of equipment or whatever. You, you're looking intently. If you're studying a document, you, you're, you, uh, you're, your posture even, the way you are, you, whether it's on your computer or paper, you stoop, you, you look intently. See, you look with intentionality. I'm coming to the Word of God, I'm expecting. Every time, I'm expecting to hear what I need to hear. I'm looking, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, notice, and abides by it. I look at it, I study it, and then I abide by it. And this has to do with memorizing and meditating that some of us think that Brother Ken's the only one who's supposed to teach this to kids. That's the saddest thing I find in ministry. I asked a man one time, why did you stop memorizing the Bible? He said, well, I thought that was what kids did. You thought that was what kids did? So I want to talk for a moment about memorization. And I brought with me, um, this is my latest uh, uh, journal. And I, before you start rolling your eyes and just change the channel, uh, I'm not talking about, I am not a person who writes these long things about how I feel and the flowers and the clouds in the sky. And I'm not talking about that. Journaling to me, as I was taught, is as I am gaining and I'm looking intently at the law of God, the Word of God, and I'm abiding by it, there will be, each time, if I'm paying attention, something God gives me that I should remember. So I have books of these. And they're, and they're dated, and all I usually do is just put the verse in it. So as time goes by, there is the story of what God's been trying to say to me through my time in God's Word. I'm just going to tell you, uh, you know, some of you need to practice your handwriting. You probably couldn't even read your own handwriting. You know, I wrote a, I wrote a little letter to, note to, to, to the Han girl the other day. Han girl. And she said, Pastor Mike, I really appreciate your note, but I had to ask my dad to help me read it. So maybe your penmanship is like mine. 
If you don't know about this friend right here, I don't care if you put it on your phone or however you do it, you have, you have been, you've not been taught well. Because this is as important as this. Because it is the way you remember, unless you have some kind of an ability to remember everything you've ever read in the Bible. Maybe you can. So how do you do it? You record a verse to remember from your readings. Notice each day, week, or month. I'm being very detailed here. I'm reading every day. I'm recording. I'm reading every week out of those days. I'm reading every week and those weeks pile up to months, to a month. And then I commit to learn one verse from my reading each month. I memorize it. I jot it down. I put it there. I carry it with me. I actually now, because this is the... Um, modern dog collar. Uh, I put it in my phone and it comes up at specific times in my day and I'm confronted with it and I have to think about it and memorize it again. I try to share it and talk about it. I try to think about it. And I review the verses that I've learned each day. I don't have some kind of a goal. Years ago, we used to carry around little memory packets. We, we gave all the students a little scripture memory packet and you would jot and write down your note and then you would, you would go through and rehearse your verses. It's not a bad idea, but it's almost lost to our day. Memorization is... I don't know uh, how... So what does David say? Your word I've treasured in my heart. I've treasured it in my heart. What you treasure, you remember. You don't forget it. And so, if the Word of God is valuable to me, it becomes the thing. And you know what? As I memorize it, it just starts coming out in my language. I just say it. I say Bible verses. I say words. I say spiritual words. I say spiritual thoughts. This is how the Word of God gets in you. But you have to make some effort at it getting into you. Sid, Sid was in the insurance business. They forced you all to memorize a lot of stuff, didn't they, Sid? You're going to present? You better know it. You can't be fumbling around your papers when you're trying to do the deal. You better know it. So I'm saying to you, I want you to be challenged by this tonight. Are you looking intently at the Word of God, not only abiding in it, this is how you keep from becoming a forgetful hearer, verse number 25. Now, I want to find quickly, real quick, which I could spend an entire time on, meditation. Now, you talk about something that's lost. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. The, the, the Hebrew word for meditate is a word that is used sometimes for a lion standing over its prey, growling. Sometimes it's describing the cow as they chew, as the cow chews the cud. It's, it's, it's what we all know how to do in this room, in our fleshly nature. You know what it is? It's worry. That's meditation. You, you, you went up, you thought, you worried about it in the morning. You went this way with it, then you worried about it down this way at noon, then you worried about it this way in the afternoon, then you worried about it into the night. You see, that's meditation. I'm just simply saying that 
it's better to substitute spiritual things than to worry about things. What did Brother Chris say? It's going to be all right. Well, yes, it is if you know Jesus. So I'm challenging all of you, my friends. Look, there is a mountain. There is a place you can go. No matter how busy you are. I say to the, I've said to some men that I'm trying to be accountable with in my life recently, my goal this year is to improve my discipline of meditation. The Word of God says that Isaac walked, he walked along and he meditated. He was meditating. Meditating on the Word of God. So how do I do it? I'm going to just give you the, a simple pattern. So from the verses I'm memorizing, those verses in, include certain truths. Certain truths. So I choose a truth from my memorized verses. And I set a time, I set, a, I set aside a private time. And look, I, I do it in my car. I do it when I have those routines where I have some undivided time. And, and I know it's hard for us all in this room. I get it. I totally get it. Some of, some of the chaos in my life is my own fault, by the way. It's not always everybody else's fault or the world. I mean, I create my own schedule. You have to find some time to do this. This takes time. This is not, this is not popular in America. American Christians don't even know what this means. Then you ask yourself these questions. What does this mean? What does this truth mean? This is how you start the process of, of uh, meditating on a truth of God's Word. What does the truth mean? What does it mean? And you ask yourself, why is it important? Now these are questions you're asking yourself. You're doing your own interrogation of yourself. You're, you're interacting with yourself and what you've learned. You're pausing long enough now to try to take this truth and turn it around. So here it is. Look, I can turn my phone this way. I can turn it this way. I can turn it that way. It's taking a truth and just turning it around. You think about it. we got some really smart business people in here. I know you do this. You think about every angle. You know, we even use that in our language. Think about every angle. That's meditating. You think about every angle of a truth. Then you apply it to your life condition. This is what this truth means to me. And then you record it. You record it in your journal. And it comes out in so many ways. It helps you then because you go back and you say to yourself, this is good for my soul. And it brings you peace because then you have discovered how to allow the Word of God to settle in your mind and by the way the more you do this the less I'm, 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 I'm saying as a testimony the less you will worry the less you do this your mind will go right back to the old pattern this is discipline and I promise you this the Lord Jesus practiced these things. He practiced them. He was fully human like we are, and yet without sin. He learned the truth of God's Word. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. 
He didn't just quit. When he turned 12, he didn't just stop doing that. This was his pattern in his life. So I challenge you, my brothers and sisters, get a grip on God's Word. And this is the old thing we say to the youth. And it'll get a grip on you. How's that? Well, that's enough for tonight. You've listened to me long enough. But before you go, sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Maybe some of you will go home tonight and sing this as you go to sleep. Christ the Blessed One gives to all, wonderful words of life. Sinner, list to the loving call, wonderful words of life. Also freely given, oh isn't this good, wooing us to heaven. Sweetly echo the gospel call, wonderful words of life. Offer pardon and peace to all. Wonderful words of life, Jesus only Savior, sanctify forever. And then we break out. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Amen. Amen. And by the way, just like our brothers and sisters do all the time, Good singing of the hymns and spiritual songs also helps you meditate and also helps you remember God's truths.